Welcome to episode 40 of the A Free Spirit Life Podcast. Hey, thanks so much for being here today. I'm Shannon Kinney Dew, holistic life and spiritual coach, yoga and meditation teacher, and the creator of this podcast. And I'm super excited to share with you my guest today. Before we hop into this amazing interview, I want to remind you that I still have one retreat left for 2019. This is the last week registration will be open. So if you're listening to this show as it comes out live August 2019, check out my retreat schedule. Also, I have a new e-course starting September 3rd. It's called Live Freely and we'll be finding peace courage, and clarity through the practices of mindfulness, gentle meditation, and self-compassion. This is a great course for anyone who is sick and tired of being sick and tired. This is for those of you who have a lot of plates, a lot of responsibility, a lot of things wearing you down, draining your energy, and you're like, you know what? I think there's a better way you know what, I'm kind of done living life being stressed and overwhelmed and missing it because I've got kids in my life and I've got uh, gifts that I want to share with the world and I have dreams that I want to make and I know that life is fleeting. This course is for those of you who are ready to show up, who want to connect with other women from around the world to explore the gift of mindfulness and how When we practice being in the present moment, when we break free of the guilt, the doubt, the fears from the past, or the worries and the what-ifs of the future, and we learn how to step into the natural flow of life, that's when true magic happens. That's when you can breathe again. That's when you rediscover who you truly are and Get the clarity you need and the courage to walk forward, learning how to trust your intuition and follow where it's taking you next. So check out the e-course and you can do that on my website, afreespiritlife.com. Now, my friends, you're in for such an amazing conversation today with author and parenting coach, Catherine Weiss. Catherine began teaching moms about conscious parenting before it was called conscious parenting. Since 2008, through her workshops, coaching, best-selling book, newsletter, and social media, she's helped over a thousand moms from 13 countries around the world grow and develop their ability to be more present, conscious, and connected with their kids and other loved ones. Starting a family led Catherine to take her regular mindfulness practice off the yoga mat and into her mothering life. She found great joy in the possibility of harnessing the power of now as she and her husband raised their children. She practices being present each day by using her upsets with her children as the invitation to go within and heal, grow, and empower herself and her kids. Her motivation was to create a deeper, more empowering way of being in her family line, and she's now empowering others to do the same. Catherine has a book called The Present Mother, and you'll find the link in the show notes. You definitely want to check it out. She is such a gift. Our conversation is beautiful. We talk about real life. We talk about some of the awakenings that happened in her own life that led her to this moment. She has learned over the years that when we're triggered by our kids, by our spouse, by the people we work with, by our neighbors, by our family members, those triggers, those experiences are opportunities for us to learn how to grow and heal and love. And sure, when we're in the midst of it and in the moment, it may not feel that way, but we're going to dive deeply into the conversation of how we can start to breathe and pause and be more present so we can experience the fullness and richness of life without being constantly 
you know, swallowed up by the things that make us mad and that trigger us and the tantrums and the heaviness and the stress that we all sometimes feel in life. We talk about practical tools and ways to start to listen more deeply to your inner life, to pay attention to what your children are trying to teach you, to pay attention to what's unfolding in your life so that you can be more available, so that you can be more present. It's beautiful, and I can't wait to hear what you think of the show. You can email me, shannon at a freespiritlife.com. You can also check out Catherine's website. It's thepresentmother.com. And let us know what you thought of the show, what resonates with you. If you like this show, hop on iTunes, give us a review, rate the show, and share this show with your friends. Thanks so much for being here. Enjoy the show. Hi, Catherine. Welcome to the podcast. We've been talking just a little bit before hitting record, and I'm so excited and feel really grateful to have you on the show today. Mm, I'm so grateful to be here. Well, thank you. Why don't you give us a little bit more info about you? I'd love for you to share what part of the world you're living in, uh, what stage of motherhood you're in, and a little bit more about the work that you're so passionate about. Mm. Yeah, I live in the Pacific Northwest right now, and it's lovely right now in the summer, green and oh, just so beautiful with all the sunshine. And I have lived here for about four and a half years. And before that, I lived in Boulder, Colorado. And I lived there for about four and a half years. And we moved to Colorado when the kids were four and five years old. So they were both born. um, I have two teenagers. They were both born in Georgia near Atlanta in a suburb called Roswell. And my son is... um, almost 16 now, and my daughter is 14 and a half. And I think it was the elevation in Boulder that had me come to realize uh, kind of a spiritual awakening, and I don't even know what the definition of that is, but I became aware of just the patterns in my life that had been formed from childhood, I guess, but it's just ways of thinking that were prohibiting me from being my authentic self. And um, that's a whole definition too, authentic self (laughs) that we could talk about forever, Mm -hmm. but uh, just preventing me from being who I wanted to be. So uh, I I started doing this practice of self-inquiry and being present in, I guess, about 11 years ago now. And it's really changed my life completely. So, yeah, in lots of different ways, especially with the kids, um, especially with motherhood. We've always done um, self-directed learning. Some people call it unschooling. Some people call it um, attachment parenting. There's all sorts of, you know, ways to describe it. But basically it's trusting your kids to um, be able to stay connected to their passions and their authentic self and then creating an environment so that they can do that. And that environment partly is you, the parent, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, So every issue that would come up within me that would stop them from being their authentic self, I would question those um, triggers really and create a bigger space every time for them to be themselves and for me to be myself. I love that because I always say that the journey of motherhood for me has been learning how to trust myself and Mm -hmm. learning how to trust my kids and learning how to trust that my life is unfolding um, as it needs to. And yet um, from my own past, feeling a lot of self-doubt and, and having to kind of, you know, reconnect to that authentic self that you're talking about to learn how to um, not let doubt, doubt taint what I'm feeling um, and what I'm seeing in my kids. And so uh, there's a couple of things that I want to ask in there. But one, why don't we talk a little bit about what your definition is of the authentic self and also this idea of trusting our children? Um, how do we do that 
with your work uh, when we have a hard time even trusting ourselves. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's a constant um, process to me. Yes. And it's a ride. It's a roller coaster within. It yeah. truly is. That's how I look at it. Um, in terms of authentic, your first question, um, I can't remember exactly what you said, but it, it reminded me to say this. There's a difference between the authentic self and the um, ego self. And I like to describe it with a big S and a little S. And um, it also applies to self-directed learning. So authentic self is the big S. It's the spirit. It's the God within you the, or whatever definition you want to say instead of God, whatever word mm -hmm. could be the universal power of love within you. That's the big S. And the little S is the ego, the learned behavior, the coping mechanisms, the uh, defeating patterns, self-defeating patterns. Um, and then that also applies to how I raise my kids, self-directed learning as in the big S. So um, the little S, for example, might be I want another candy bar after I've just had three. <laughs> um, the little S might be um, I'm going to sit here and, and scream and throw things and break things because I can't get X, Y, Z. Those are the little S behaviors and the little S, um, uh, I'll say volitions from within that, that come from the ego. The big S volitions that, that come from within are the, they're calm, they're centered, they're intuitive, they're, um, you know, they're patient, they're, you know, it's like, for example, my son wanted to learn about orbital mechanics, for example, of all things, whatever that is. <laughs> so he, he wanted to, you know, check out 10 books at the library on this one subject. And, you know, if, if somebody wanted 10 candy bars, you would know that was coming from the little S, right? Uh -huh. This is coming from the big S. He really wanted to know about that. So I was like, sure, let's get all 10. Nice. <laughs> you know, I don't care. I'm glad you're saying that. I was like, where's she going with this? As I see, I have a library fine again. <laughs> we can't limit our how many books we check out each week. <laughs> yeah, 40 yes. is the max I've, I've learned. <laughs> get all 40. <laughs> well, we can read them all. We just, we, and we do. Somehow we do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and you can get three library cards, so you can get 40 plus 40 plus 40. <laughs> oh, now, I, I am not telling my oldest son that one. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yes, yes, I've had many library finds in my past. <laughs> but learning, so, learning how to discern between the two. Yes, yeah, so the learning how to discern between the two, that's the work of the, of the committed, brave mother. Mm, that's a beautiful right. statement. Yeah, because you're you're really you're going within, and you're courageously looking at your own patterns. Yes, and it's no small feat, right? No, it's scary. It's scary. It's out of your comfort zone. It's mm -hmm. what will I find deep down? A lot of people that come from um, and I came from this Christian background, okay? Mm -hmm. So I was, you know, indoctrinated in a Baptist school from the time I was, in, and I'm sure you have some Christian listeners, so I'm going to tangle, I'm going to tie it all together because it's all together. But mm -hmm. for my mind, as a young child, I thought, well, I'm just going to go to hell if I question anything, if I um, look within, if I if I don't listen to people external, if I don't listen, you know, like priests and the Bible and my mom and everybody, and my dad and my teacher, if I don't do what they say, you know, and listen to them intently, then I'm going to go to hell and it's going to be horrible. So looking within is a scary proposition to someone who was in a Baptist school for, I was there for seven years, I guess. Yes. It took me a long time to not be scared to look within because I thought within was, you know, the devil or some horrible person that, you know, had to be meted out in order to be a good child, right? Right, right. So, yes, the fear is real. The fear is in your mind. The fear is real until you discover it is not real. Oh, <laughs> yes. Real. <laughs> it's a story. Yes. Not reality. Everyone in my belief, everyone is 
um, love. Yes. Everyone is love. Uh-huh. And that's their essence. And then we're born into a world where people are, people are, um, you know, they're in pain. They're suffering. They're broken, or or so they think. And so, not to minimize it, but when you realize that you're not broken, it's so freeing. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but we're born into that kind of world, right? And yes. so we inherit all these things that is already here that are already here, then it's a lifelong work going within to discover that you're already whole and perfect and beautiful and present. You're already present. So we're going to go more into that. And I want you to, since you brought up being in Boulder and you had a spiritual awakening that you called it and uh, have been on this journey now for 11 years, uh, can you take us back and just paint a little bit of a picture for us? What was it like? before you discovered this self-inquiry work and uh, before you started to dive more deeply into your inner life and inner world to make these connections? What what was happening for you that you had to kind of pair, pull back and say, whoa, this, is, this isn't feeling right anymore. This isn't the way I want to go. Exactly. Um, yes, there were two instances when my son was six months old so he's my oldest, so I'm a new mother, <clears throat> excuse me, and I am trying to be the best mother possible. I read all kinds of books when I was pregnant and tried to do everything, you know, the best way I could, and I thought that the best way was to let him be in his crib and learn how to fall asleep on his own. Well, and there's a chapter in my book on this, I don't remember the name of it or the number, but it goes into detail about me thinking that I needed to let him do that, you know, for my intention was for his own good, you know, for as a loving intention, right? We all have that for our kids. They need to learn to self-soothe. They need to mm-hmm. be able to sleep so that I can sleep. You know, we all, we all do these things for good reasons in our own mind. Well, I'm laying in my bed with him over there screaming in the other room going, what the heck? I cannot do this. Yes. <laughs> There's no way. And so I cuddle him up, I bring him into my bed, and he stayed there for the rest of the time till he wanted to get out when he started to become, you know, a preteen. Yes. Um, And that next day, I started going online and trying to find other moms that were saying the same thing I was saying. I cannot let my baby stay in their crib and cry. And I found the attachment parenting group in North Fulton County in Atlanta, became best friends with the leader of the group, um, Stephanie Petters, a wonderful woman. And she and I um, are still friends. And, you know, I learned everything about attachment parenting through her. So that was the first kind of mothering awakening I had. And then I'll, now I'll tell you about the spiritual awakening, unless you had a question about that. <laughs> no, I just, I had the exact same experience when my baby was around five months too. So I was the same researcher and I had all the books and I finally called a friend of mine around six months, my first oldest. And I, I said, do you let your child sleep with you? And, you know, they say that it's not good and this and that. And she was a homeschooler at the time of six kids. And she, she's like, who are they? (laughs) She was so like, matter of fact, like, what are you talking? Like, of course I, you know, like if they want to. And I was like, that's when I closed the book. I'm like, oh my, that's what was happening. I was looking again outside. Now, not to say that we don't need other things to help influence and, and, um, know the answer for ourselves, but it's always about what's best and most intuitive for you and your family. And so, yes, I still, my youngest is still in our bed. It's just, it's, that's how it's always been. And, um, and so I, I had that same experience. So I just wanted to share that. Yeah. I'm so glad you did. Yeah. Yes. And I think we're not alone. I think it's going through so many mothers' minds and, um, Part of the reason I think it's going through so many more mothers' minds today than in the past is that there, there's a culture I see that's helping everybody get more in touch with their authentic self and their their intuition and their wisdom within. And I think that's what it is, is wisdom is speaking through us. Like, And I don't want to ignore that ever, mm-hmm. you know, ever. 
Yeah. So, and that's what I love about um, this presence practice in my book is it helps mothers. It's not a dogma that says you have to sleep with your kids. It's all it's saying yes. is come to yourself, come back within and, um, and know your true self and know what feels right for you truly individually for you. That's what it's saying. Yes. Okay. Cause we're all from different paths. I really don't know how any parenting expert can give any mother any advice. I really don't because every family is different. Every mother is different. Every child is different. Every father, every home, mm-hmm. every financial situation, every, every situation is different. Yes. Um, and I, I personally believe that every single parent, mother or father, and maybe intuitively more mothers already know what the best thing is to do with their children. And they, it's a still small voice mm-hmm. and they, it's snuffed out. Sometimes they believe it gets snuffed out by the culture. They believe other people can influence them so much that it snuffs it out. You know what I mean? Oh, yes, absolutely. So we're going to talk about that. Let's get back to your spiritual awakening. Yes. Um, <laughs> ooh, they're so exciting and fun. And, and y'all are going to think I'm crazy, but this is so <laughs> it's funny. It happened with macaroni and cheese. <laughs> okay. It can happen anywhere, right? It's usually the simple. <laughs> um, yeah. And there, I will say um, spiritual awakenings are funny in my experience because they can be the tiniest little awakening. It's almost like in a camera, you know how you open up the, um, the aperture setting and it's really tiny. And then there's a, you know, there's all sorts of settings. They can go really big. Okay. So I have had like multiple tiny ones, medium ones, and a big one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'll just say as far as the aperture on your camera, Mm -hmm. um, the, the funniest one is the Mac and cheese. And I would say that's a medium one. Um, so I'm making macaroni and cheese, of course, for the hundredth time for my child. Okay. So I'm stirring in the cheese and this and that. And of course, it has to be organic. It has to be gluten-free and all that stuff. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and of course, I tried to stop buying mac and cheese for ages until she yes. discovered that all her friends have mac and cheese at their house. Yep. So now I'm buying mac and cheese. Okay. So that's a whole nother story. And not serving but, it in plastic. And yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. do another show on that. Okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> But a lot um, on your mind, to say the least. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a lot on every mother's mind as they're stirring the macaroni and cheese. Yes. Um, so I think I had been doing this practice in my book for about two years. And I'd been doing it with a partner at um, in Boulder. So she and I had been partnering up to do inquiry with each other like every other week or so. We'd go on a hike or whatever and we'd just We'd ask each other very direct questions and then we would, you know, both of us would discover more awareness about our authentic self. So this had been going on for about two years. I'm at home stirring the mac and cheese and all of a sudden my, my arm and my hand and the spoon and the mac and cheese and the pot were all connected. (laughs) I know that sounds really crazy, Mm -hmm. but they were all connected. They were all the same entity. And it's like I merged with the mac and cheese. The mac and cheese merged with me. So then I I kind of opened my eyes and I was like, what is going on? And I sat down on the ottoman in my living room right after because it felt so weird. And then I was like at one with the ottoman mm. as I was sitting down. Mm-hmm. So um, to me... <laughs> To me, that was a lot of, and I had also been doing um, a gratitude journal for a month. I've been doing 10 different gratitudes every morning, what I was grateful for. And so I just had a lot of this inner, inner spirit stuff going on. And it was an experience of being at one with everything in the universe almost, because it, it kept extending outwards. And after the Ottoman and after this, um, realization that it was extending outwards, it went away. Mm. Totally gone. So, yeah, I felt at one with the macaroni and cheese. And did it continue for you to feel that way, or was it what? Well, from that, that moment, what did you decide to do then? Um, well, after just giving out the mac and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I just went on with my everyday regular life yes. and, um, but, yeah, your first, my, but your perspective changed how you saw well, yeah, things. Well, I always kind of knew we were all, all one, yes. you know, I kind of, everyone has the essence of the same thing within them. Everyone smiles when they're happy, every single person on the planet. Yeah. So what is that thing at the root that has them smile when they're happy? Well, that thing at their root is what we all have. It's yes. all the same, you know? Um, but there was another situation that happened, I think, soon after that, two weeks or so after that or a month after that. I was on a hike by myself around this lake, and I was um, questioning some thoughts. I was like, I was doing inquiry in my own mind, questioning my own thoughts. And I, I had done this a lot. It, it's really great once you get the pattern and, you know, how to do it. It's like meditating on your own. You get it, and it, it really helps. So I'm walking around the lake, and I'm questioning a judgment I had about a girlfriend. Hmm. And I think she was telling me to tell my son to suck it up for something and make him do something um, that he didn't want to do. Oh, we were going to a farm to get milk or something, and I, I was forcing him to come. And he's like, no, I'm not coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not going to come. Oh, no, to go to a play date. And the friend was like, well, you need to tell him to suck it up. And so I had this judgment about my other friend who was a mother because she didn't want to do the rides. She didn't want to pick up people and drop them off. Mm-hmm. And, and so she was not being her powerful self and saying, no, I'm not going to do the rides. Right. And, um, I'm not going to do the pickups and drop offs. She was saying, tell your son to get in the car and you do the pickups and drop offs. And I was saying, well, my son doesn't want to get in the car, so I'm not going to do any pickups or drop offs. And so she got really mad at me. Mm-hmm. And, um, so then, then I was judging her for getting mad at me. Okay. So that's what it was. And then, so I'm questioning that. So in my hike, I realized I turned the whole thing around on myself about, I can't even tell you exactly what it was, but it just made me laugh because I had this awareness that I was judging her. Well, really I was judging myself. Mm-hmm. I was judging myself for saying no. I was, I was thinking that I shouldn't put it, I shouldn't have a boundary. I shouldn't say no to people. Right. Yes. Cause you have to be a people pleaser, right? Especially with your kids and your mom, friends and your yes. peer group and all that and your parents. So this people pleasing thing, I just had enough of. So I was judging her. And then I was like, Oh my God, I'm judging myself for saying no still. And I was like, darn it. You know, <laughs> yes. but then I just started cracking up and I literally started laughing the whole way around the lake for like 15 minutes. Because yeah, I, I had seen what I had not seen before. Mm. And I don't know if you or anyone has ever had that experience. When you're waking up to really reality, when you're waking up, there's a process of seeing things that you've never seen before. And it's almost like an illusion has been exposed to you, mm-hmm. like in a magic trick. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Or like a play where the curtains are opening up and you're yes. finally seeing what's behind the curtain. And you laugh because it was there all along and you just feel overjoyed that what you thought, which was causing your suffering, was not even true. Right. (laughs) Which I always say when you have that awareness or that awakening, you now can't go back. You can't pretend you didn't see that. And that can also be a little scary because we can, it's easy to, to, to ignore things a lot, you know, and, and, and numb ourselves if we don't want to go any deeper. But once you have that awareness and you're like, oh, that's what I've been doing, unfortunately, but fortunately, (laughs) we can't go back, right? Yeah. And I used to say that too, when I was sort of in the middle of the whole awakening process, but there comes a time when you open that lens so far Mm-hmm. that you know the beauty is so yes. much awesomer on the other side. You do not want to go back. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah, I felt that way too. Like, oh, God, now I, you know, I'm aware and I can't stop this awareness. And <laughs> it was a bit of a fear thing, right? Yes. But as you continue on with it, the fear subsides. It gets, it gets you know how some people that have anxiety get, have this low level of anxiety just undercurrent in their 24 seven in their whole life. Mm -hmm. Well, that low level of undercurrent becomes lower, 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 and just disappears. It, it becomes, it dissolves. Mm -hmm. So So let's talk, you brought up 
boundaries and being a people pleaser. And I think about the women listening, a lot of the moms that I work with or know or see in circles who have so many obligations and responsibilities and tend to go, 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 crash and repeat. And a lot of times uh, we haven't learned really what a boundary is or how to set healthy boundaries without that feeling of guilt or I should, I should, you know, one else is doing it. I want to be like them, whatever, all these other things. Mm -hmm. Um, But so many of us, I think we, we get into a trap of people pleasing and saying yes and doing things like everyone else, um, but still have that, what you're talking about, that undercurrent of this doesn't feel right. Something's Mm -hmm. off here. For those women listening, um, how do we, can you explain a little bit about setting boundaries and, and not caring so much about pleasing other people? Yes. Um, it is, there's a lot to talk about with this subject and I'll, I'll try to say it simple at first and then we can go deeper if you want. The bottom line is that it has to do with your belief or our belief that we need other people's approval to feel okay. Yes. So if you consider that, you know, and, and you have to go to a certain situation in your life, right? And just stay there. So maybe in the last situation where you felt like you had to say yes, you really wanted to say no, um, and you said something, whatever it was, you know, it caused some kind of, you know, disconnect within yourself. You weren't really happy with whatever the outcome was. Um, You have to look at your need for approval in other people. And this goes back to our needing approval from our parents. So it's not a bad thing. Okay. I just want to make sure that's clear. It's not a negative thing to want other people's approval. Of course, we want to be a nice person. Of course, we want to get along with everyone. Of course, we want to have manners, right? Mm -hmm. That's not what that's about. This is about taking care of yourself and when you're saying yes, when you really know that you need to say no, right? So you don't crash. So just to put it in context. Um, So looking at yourself... And you're feeling like you have to say yes. So that's where you need to to focus your attention is feeling like you have to say yes. I have to say yes. Is that true? Did I have to say yes? Well, yeah, I'm feeling like it's true. And then how do I react when I feel like I have to say yes? Well, I get all gross inside. I don't feel good. Um, And I say yes when I don't want to. And I overcommit. And I... You know, I buy the iPod for my kids when I really don't want to. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, you know, I say yes to spending more money on XYZ when I really don't want to. So all these negative behaviors happen when you believe that you have to say yes. Okay. And, and those negative behaviors are what causes the burnout and the crash. Yes. And the main thing that causes the burnout and crash is that you're not connected to your authentic wisdom within. And then it manifests in all the behaviors. So who would you be without the thought that you have to say yes? In the same situation where, say, for example, your son is asking for an iPod. Well, I would be in tune with my own wisdom and I would consider that we have XYZ budget and he's already got a phone, a computer, an iPad, of this or that. You know, I don't want to buy any more electronics. Uh, You know, I would be in touch with my wisdom if I wasn't thinking I have to say yes. Mm-hmm. That's a good statement. I kind of want to repeat it. Who would I be if I didn't have to say yes? Is that how you phrased it? Yeah. Who would you be? I mean, that's a really because <clears throat> what we're talking about, what we're going to continue to dive in is your some of your tools to snapping us back into the present moment. And I and I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just I think I wanted to just hear that again. Like that's that's a yeah. powerful way to stop the train for a second to just pause and and turn back and ask yourself, who would I be if I didn't have to say yes in this moment? If I thought I didn't have to say yes, or yeah. if I thought 
I had to say yes, because it is the thought, our belief in the thought. Yes. It's your belief, really. It comes down to your belief, our belief in the thought that we have to say yes, that we have to volunteer, that we have to drive the child X, Y, Z, that we have to, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So it's our belief that we have to. So we're working on the belief here. Yes. Yeah. So tell me about um, the practice of presence as we are, um, we, you know, we, t- we, I know that boundaries is a huge issue. So we're, we're talking about being a people pleaser. We're, we're looking at what we're saying yes to. When do we say no? What feels right? What doesn't feel right? Uh, the practice of self-inquiry, which is to pause and to, and to reflect and to ask these questions. Um, what is, what would you like to say about presence? How do we know when we're present? How do we know when our, uh, thoughts are in the past or in the future and, and some other things you'd like to share about how to bring yourself to presence and, and why it's so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do we know when we're present? Uh, there are qualities of presence that you can detect within yourself, which are calm, peace, awareness, listening, love, wisdom, creativity, flow, all of those, I'll call them positive, um, and they're neither positive nor negative to me. They're just Qualities of being, qualities of presence, Um, qualities of being. I like that um, because it's calmness. It's like I just said, it's Mm -hmm. wisdom, it's creativity. You know that um, term being in the flow? Yes. It's that also. It's being at one with, for instance, your child. If they're upset about something, you can be with the upset without getting triggered. You can just be there and notice it and, you know, you're just the calm, aware presence. Mm-hmm. Now I hear listeners going, how, what how do heck? I do that when yeah, my four-year-old's, you okay. know, hitting so me? Here's in. How. Okay. <laughs> yes, here's how. Um, yeah, and I, and I don't tell parents what to say to their children either because I don't think that's respectful. Just like I don't tell my child to say please or thank you. Yes. I don't think it's respectful to tell anyone what to say to people, okay. <laughs> um, including a parent to a child. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you that this practice will help you know 100% certain the right words to say in every situation, mm, no matter so what it good. is. So that's good. why this is the best of the best, the cream mm-hmm. of the crop, under, mm-hmm. you know, advice-wise for parenting, I think. And, and I say, of all the books, I love my book the best <laughs> because it helps me get to my own wisdom. You know, I want that. I don't want someone else's prescription for me because they don't know. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with all the parenting books out there. I love that they're out there because so many people are helped by them. Um, So don't get me wrong. There's brilliant people helping parents who need those skills. Um, So this is about getting in touch with your wisdom, right? Mm -hmm. So where was I? (laughs) Um, So you have a four-year-old who's, you know, having a temper tantrum and you're feeling, you might be feeling, uh (laughs) uh-oh, you're getting caught in the trigger. You are getting triggered. Maybe we go with that first. How do we deal with that? Yes. And at first I want everyone to make room for their triggers because those are the portals, if you will, to get to being more present. So don't make the triggers wrong or bad. They are part of the whole process. They're there for a reason, and, and you should treat them like your kids. Well, I saw an <laughs> Instagram post of yours, and I, I actually wrote it down, so I'm glad you're saying this because it says, thank your child for pushing your buttons, for those are the places where love can grow. Yes. And I thought, ooh, that's a good one because so often we complain and we 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 think there's something wrong with us or we're a bad parent or something wrong with our kid. And really, I love just that, you know, give mm-hmm. thanks to this moment for yes. your opportunity to grow. So we're yeah. in that moment. We've got the opportunity. Um, I want to talk about two things. One, okay, we're, we're starting to get triggered. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do yes. we do? Okay. <laughs> First you say, yay, I'm getting triggered. This is part of my evolution. <laughs> 
<laughs> we might want to post that in different parts of our home, right? That, no. Yes. Yeah. You, know, you could post it in your home, but if I post it on the internet, people might say, what the heck? No, no. I just mean as reminders. Yeah. Like, yes. okay, this is a good moment. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. But, and you, you, only if you authentically feel that way, because you don't feel that way at first, really. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, this is sacred work. It's, yes. it's healing. It's, it's healing pain from your past. This is really sacred work that you're doing if you're doing this work. So you're getting triggered and you're getting what's happening. I'll explain what's happening in your mind when you're getting triggered because that'll help with unraveling it. What's happening is you're being reminded, your brain is being reminded of a similar situation from your past where it was dangerous for you to be there in your belief. You believed it was dangerous for you to be there, okay? Whether that means in your childhood, your parents were screaming at each other and you needed to go hide in the closet, okay? It could mean anything related to trauma you experienced in your childhood. It could be... It could be tons of things, but it relates to some kind of terror that you had when you were younger that it wasn't safe to be there, okay? And we all have this. We all, in our hearts, we want it to be peaceful and harmonious and all that all the time. That's who we naturally are is we're pure presence. We're pure awareness. We're, we're as Eckhart Tolle calls it, the formlessness, which is ultimately peaceful, so when we see something mm-hmm. today that reminds us of something scary from the past, we go into panic because we're scared. So that's what's happening. So give yourself a lot of love um, and a lot of, you know, warm hugs and a warm blanket and a cup of tea and be with yourself when those things happen. Not right when they're happening, but after yes. uh, to help you understand what's going on. Yeah, I love that. Um, I'm going to share a real life example because it literally just happened yesterday. Um, we were driving to a gathering and I got back in the car after picking up something from the grocery store and my husband was getting ready to pull out and I saw a car coming towards us and my instinct was to say, watch that car. And um he was all he had just finished an email the kids were arguing in the in the car so there was a lot going on all at the same time so he got irritated with me for saying watch the car and he was jarred and then he we kind of got we started to yell at each other mm-hmm. and we we were really good later talking it through and and we were you know seeing what led us to that moment but it um it was something that was triggered and we fed into it. And then, um, afterwards I, I love the idea of self-compassion and I'm getting so much better at that with myself because I want my kids to know that I'm not going to just be, I can't always be the peaceful presence that you're talking about. I want to, (laughs) we all do. Right. Mm -hmm. But I'm human and I'm going to yell sometimes and I, I am getting triggered sometimes. And I want to be able to say, you know, talk to them about it and have that self-forgiveness and that self-love. And and he is really hard on himself and he, you know, tends to go like, I've scarred our kids for life. And so I want to talk about where how does self-compassion play into this practice so that we can learn about ourselves but not be hard on ourselves when we get triggered because we're still going to get triggered. Yeah, absolutely. And I want everybody to know that I still get triggered. I do. And my triggering lasts way less time than it used to. And I know exactly what to do after to go to my next level. Mm -hmm. So it's all an evolution and no one is there. (laughs) No one is there all the way. Okay. Even, even, I don't know who you want to call it, but the Dalai Lama gets triggered. Everyone, if you're human, they do. So it's less and less and less and less the more you practice meditation and inquiry and going within. So what I want to say to your question is, to answer it, if you uh, wanted to give compassion to your child, for example, one of the very first things you would do is to be with them, like literally in the same physical space. Mm -hmm. The second thing you would do is you would listen to them, right? They were talking. So that's what I invite everybody to do for themselves. 
go be by yourself and be with yourself. That's number one. So you, you have to retreat, you know, mm-hmm. you have to go Absolutely. within. You have to close the blinds, turn off the phone, close the door. You have to go within. Um, even if it's five minutes a day and keep working up to a longer amount. The second thing you have to do is listen to yourself. And so you're not just sitting there like a Buddha under a tree, um, not listening to yourself. You know, when we see Buddha sitting under the tree, we see that visual images of just sitting there. Okay. Well, and I'm not endorsing long hours of meditation either. I'm just saying, listen to yourself. Don't just sit there with yourself, but truly turn within. And the way you can turn within is through the practice that I have in my book for 40 mornings straight. Um, And it's based off of a self-inquiry practice which originates in 14th century yoga philosophy, I believe. Yes, Uh, 14th century. And um, Byron Katie took it to the next level, who I don't know if you know her, but she wrote a bestseller called Loving What Is. Mm -hmm. And um, wonderful book to help you get in touch with yourself and to be with what is at first and then love what is like be with the trigger at first with inquiry and then love that you get triggered because it helps you evolve more and helps you be it helps you be more of your authentic self so yeah so that's what it i recommend mm-hmm. be with yourself listen to yourself get out a pen and paper and do some inquiry I think that's great. I think um, anger in particular is an emotion we all um, are are afraid of. And I know one thing that's helped me with my own kids is when I started to learn that those heavy emotions that children feel can be really scary for them. And so we practice being with them. And I think we forget sometimes to do that for not only ourselves, but for our spouse for our other mm-hmm. relationships. Yes. Um, yeah, so that's what I hear you saying. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And this all, as far as an evolution in my experience, because I wanted to be an attached parent, because I wanted to be present for my kids from the very beginning and bring my son into my bed with my husband, like I was saying, that's what inspired me to want to do the same thing to myself. I wanted to bring myself into bed with me, you know, mm-hmm. I, because I was so wanting to connect with my child. It inspired me to want to connect with myself. And then I started attachment parenting myself. Then I started self-directed schooling myself. This is why I sign up for all kinds of classes mm-hmm. and I quit halfway through because I, I want to be self-directing things. I want to be the one that's informing myself mm-hmm. because I think the wisdom that we all seek and desire is within. And then I start doing it with my spouse. And, and really for me, my evolution, that's where I'm at right now is with deeper with my spouse because yes. I've done it with my kids and I've done it more with myself the whole time. I've done it with my mom and, you know, not getting triggered by my mom, my brother, my dad. And now I've, and yes. I'm not getting triggered by my husband as much, but I, that's still where I get to have my work is with my husband. Absolutely. That's great. Thank you for sharing that because that will be another show altogether. When you start bringing up siblings and immediate family, everyone's guy can just oh feel my like, gosh. oh, my gosh, I'm feeling pretty peaceful until, oh, <laughs> 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 you made me forget about those people. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> and the one common denominator in all that is obviously you, right? Yes. So you get to be the one that that keeps evolving with all these beautiful people in your life triggering you. This is where you get to eventually. It doesn't feel that way at first, but you start to become super thankful that they are the way they are because you get closer and closer to your true authentic self every time because you're able to allow that peace that reminds you that that what they're doing that reminds you of the peace in yourself that you're not loving yet, Mm, you become... That's what I mean by love grows uh, in the Instagram posts. You become more loving of that part of yourself. Mm. So you become more of a whole person. You know what I mean? That's so good. So as we are listening to these words today, I want everyone to um, remember that 
um, the next person you meet, <laughs> you might be feeling a trigger with, to look at it as an opportunity to, yes, sometimes not in the moment, but maybe you do have something for us. Um, because sometimes I think the self-inquiry you're talking about, um, it's learning, I, I say this a lot too, like learning how to observe your thoughts, understanding that you aren't those thoughts, but also learning how to listen to your body. And I meet so many people who don't um, have that connection yet to their body. Um, but when you're getting triggered, you can tell. And what are some of the signs that we can start to look for? Like, okay, I'm feeling the heat right now. I'm feeling like, and you know, I'm tensing up. Like, um, that we can still yeah. allow ourselves to process and, and go to the root, but um, but maybe redirect or um, handle those heavier emotions in a healthier way. Mm-hmm. You mean in the moment? In the moment. Mm-hmm. So I'll just tell you what I do. I uh, practice, it's a form of Vipassana meditation, but it's not as you would find it on Google. So it's my special form of Vipassana meditation. So what I do is I uh, pay attention, even with my eyes open in those situations, I just pay attention to the feeling of my breath moving in and out of my chest. So in my mind's eye, I pay attention to that. You know, I'm aware of my chest moving in and out. And in those moments that are especially heated, I'll say, um, this is the words that pop out of my mouth. These are not going to be the right words for other people because you have your own experience, right? But what I say is, I'm feeling triggered. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just put it out there. I'm feeling like I need to leave the room right now. Yes. And so I'm going to leave the room in about two seconds. And I want you to know I'm going to come back. Yes. When I feel calmer. And then also I say, if someone else is really irate in front of me, my husband, my son, my daughter, my mom, which she never is. But if anyone's irate in front of me, I'll go, I want to listen to you, but I can't hear you right now. And when you've calmed down, I would love to listen to you. Love that. Oh, yeah. Or I say it about myself. I'm getting triggered. I don't want to be here now. I need to go away and then I'll come back. Yes. Yeah. And so now my kids go, I'm getting triggered. I'm going to come back. (laughs) Yes. You know, they're teenagers. They have the whole, the culture of our home is like that. Mm -hmm. Which is setting a boundary, isn't it? Totally. Yes. Yeah. Because you see the boundary within yourself. Yes. Your boundaries are all about. Um, yeah, they're all about what you can handle at the time. So mm-hmm. therefore, if if I have a boundary, it's a certain boundary. It's not going to be the same for you or for any other mother or dad listening. My boundaries are not going to be the same as your boundaries. So everyone's at a different stage in their evolution. You see? So yes. I don't know how someone can say, well, you, you need to place this boundary on your kid and this boundary and that boundary which might be, maybe I don't understand child development, but, you know, <laughs> but for me, I have to only do the boundaries that work for me. I can't do a fake boundary because then I'll never keep it, mm-hmm. you know, and my kid can see through the fakeness immediately. Yes. Right. They, they know when I'm not being authentic. I really like what you I just, I know we could talk forever. So I kind of want to bring this to full cir- circle. And I'm thinking about at the beginning of our conversation, and it may have been before we hit record or, or after, but when you just talked about how you, you, you know, going with the flow and, and how you've really even adapted that to your schooling um, mm-hmm. with your kids and seeing what their interests are and naturally unfolding. And, and um, just in your own words, I'd like to hear, you know, there are people who are visionaries and planners and set goals and and only move in that direction. And then there are those who completely go with the flow. And then there's this this place of, and maybe we should talk about this too, this um, idea of balance. Um, mm-hmm. What? How do we pair that the two together? Mm-hmm. Um, which I think I'm in visualizing that that's coming to present. That's bringing both of those to presence. Um, how does that look for you when you, because mm-hmm. I'm thinking about people listening who, yes, they want to slow down. They want to uh, pause and make space for, for, pr- and be more present, but then mm-hmm. they're also wondering, well, then how do I plan for the future? How do I set goals? And yeah, talk about that. Yeah, that's a great question. And I wondered the same exact thing. 
<laughs> when I was first on this um, path, I'll call it, I was like, well, I don't want to be blissed out all the time. You know, I've got to like schedule doctor's appointments. Hello. <laughs> uh, you know. Yes. Um, so there's in spiritual circles, there's something called non-duality and duality. And um, this is it's exactly what you're talking about. Duality is the world of form. Uh-huh. And non-duality is the world of formlessness, which is how Eckhart Tolle describes it um, in Byron Katie's process of the work and in my self-inquiry process. The question, who would you be without the thought, is formless answers, non-duality, the oneness. That's where that comes from. And then the, um, the question in my self-inquiry uh, process in the book is, uh, how do you react? So that is your duality. That's your form. How do you react as a person, as a separate being? So it's all about integrating, not balancing to me mm-hmm. is integrating the human with the being. Okay. Love that. Yes. And, and we've all been raised to be humans. Okay. And our, our guidance from our parents was, here's how you be a human. Here's how you do this. I said, how you do that? Here's how you do that. No one has ever said, here's how you be a being <laughs> mm-hmm. because th- that's not taught in schools. Right. And which is why I didn't want my kids enrolled in schools. I wanted to homeschool them because I wanted them to learn about being a being along with being a human. So, um, as far as my particular journey and their schooling, I uh, was telling you before we got on the call. Yeah. That I would every fall evaluate different schools to see if there was one that I thought would be great for the kids. And like I said, they're, they're almost 16 and 14 now. So for the first, you know, up to like third grade or fourth grade, I kept looking every fall and I just couldn't find a school that I thought would be supportive of the human and the being the whole person. Um, Neil Donald Walsh has a book called Conversations with God, where he describes, I think it's the second volume, where he describes an ideal version of schools where they teach honesty and trust and integrity, and they teach um, peace, and they teach all this stuff. And I thought, oh, I want to sign up for that school. <laughs> you know? Yes, I'm still but looking for that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I thought, oh, well, here's a family who's, you know, I'm me, and I'm kind of doing this here. So why don't they just stay with me? Mm-hmm. So along the way, they had homeschool groups and play groups. And, you know, they were interested in the outside world, my daughter more so than my son, because she's more extroverted than he is. Um, But at this point in their life, since we've been doing self-directed learning with the big ass their whole life, um, my son is now at a, I would say, college level computer science. um, And he's 16. And that's what he wants to major in. Um, He's had multiple businesses. He had an internship when he was 12, I think, where he repaired computers for people with like soldering and everything, rebuilt iPhones and all kinds of computery technology stuff. Um, My daughter has been in like five plays and has um, experimented with being a makeup artist and a dancer and a She's very big into her friends, and she's very emotionally intelligent. She's had a couple tutors tell her that she's emotionally intelligent. So Mm, whatever I'm doing apparently is working pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) I'm hoping it continues that way. And um, sometimes I'll say, Mom, you're not a good mom, but X, Y, Z. And I'll go, okay, what do I need to grow now? You know, like tell me what's next. Yes. so they, they wouldn't say I'm a present mother all the time. They would say you're trying, mom, but you know, they're uh-huh. my worst critics, which is great. Yes. Opportunities you know. to learn and grow. Opportunities to learn and grow. Yes. So, and then we also have um, been lucky enough to hire a great writing tutor. Uh-huh. And my kids have, ex- because they're, um, because they're older now and I didn't force them to learn writing when they were young, they have learned, they learned four grades of writing in about eight months. Mm -hmm. And my son has learned like five grades of math in about the same amount of time. So because he's motivated, 
he wants to learn it now. He knows about the SAT. He knows about graduation. He knows about colleges. He knows about MIT. He has an MIT sweatshirt. He's like, wow. I don't really know where I'm going to go to college, but I think I need to get a pretty good grade. You know, so when they start uh-huh. getting that old, they start to really realize what they need to be doing. Uh-huh. Um, and then they're intrinsically motivated and then they're going to do well for themselves. Then they're right. self-disciplined. They're not disciplined by me. They're self-disciplined by the well, big I S. Think about what that does uh, as far as freeing up energy. I, f- I feel yes. like it you know, bringing yourself to this present, connecting to your authentic capital S self, learning how to trust yourself, all this healing work that we're on this journey to do. And what you've now done passing that on to your children. I mean, think about the energy that's freed up for, for you. It's why you probably have energy to even write your book and do the work that you do. The energy that they have to put into their interests uh, so often what I found and kind of where my healing journey has taken me is healing a lot of that self-doubt and that insecurity that took 20 years of, <laughs> of my attention and energy, yes. um, rediscovering who I was, rediscovering. And that's a lot of, you know, the women that we're talking to right now and who we work with. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's part of our own path. That's part of our journey. Um, mm. But this idea of what's draining us and what's depleting us and where is our energy going? Um, I see it in your family. I see it in, in this practice of looking within, integrating your inner and outer life, frees up a lot of energy for the, for the joy that comes from living your life. Yes, it does. So much energy. Yes. So much energy. Like I said, it opens that aperture of the camera to more and more energy too. It's not just because energy is with your authentic self, I believe. So those women who are feeling very depleted and lacking energy, feeling a hint of anxiety, uh, those are signs, are mm-hmm. they not, to look mm-hmm. within, to, to mm-hmm. practice this work? Oh, gosh, yes. Any sign of burnout, any sign of um, arguments, any sign of suffering at all, any conflict. Yes. It, Yeah, any just depletion of any kind, like you said, go, 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 and then just crash at night, which is what I was doing for so many years, and especially if you're practicing attachment parenting, oh my goodness, and you're ignoring the number eight, which is the last tenet of attachment parenting is balancing parenting and family life or, you know, paying attention to yourself, which I totally ignored that one, you know, for the first four years. Well, I think that's what we're really talking about. You know, we tend to put our self-care, I call it soul care, uh, at the bottom of the list or most of the time it gets pushed off and it's not even there. (laughs) When you're in survival mode, when you're in that, um, overdoing it mode and the burnout. So um, for everyone listening who is resonating with this conversation, I would love to share where can we get your book and learn more about you? Yes, I would love to invite everyone just to piggyback on what you're saying first to elevate every mother um, in their own perception of themselves um, being the ones who are coming last because the mothers have to come first in all areas of our society in order for our society to be the kind of society that we know as mothers will be most conducive to life for everyone now and in the future. In fact, I firmly believe that mothers are the leaders in the evolution of consciousness on the planet because We're literally raising the world one child at a time. So we have to be the ones to elevate ourselves because no one else is going to elevate us except maybe our children, you know, on Mother's Day and and all other days, our children love us. But we have to elevate ourselves on the level of presidents, governments, businesses, everything, and speak out in... um, speak out as an advocate for mothers in the world being the leaders of consciousness because we truly are the ones who will do it because we're literally raising the world. Yes. Love it. Yes, 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 yes. So good. Um, And to get my book, uh, the best place to get it 
right now, the easiest place I'll say is on Amazon. It's got five stars right now. Um, it was number two in motherhood 10 days after it was released. And, um, you can also get it on, um, my free shipping website and anyone that's interested can message me at Catherine at the present mother.com, or they can get it from you, the link to buy it for free shipping. If you don't get that on Amazon, um, Catherine at the present mother.com is my email. And then my website is the present mother.com. And I do coaching, individual coaching. I don't do group coaching anymore. I used to, uh, but I love working with people one-on-one. So I have a four session package, an eight session package, uh, one month, uh, excuse me, a six month and a one year. If you want to totally commit to yourself being the leader of consciousness in your family and in your world, mm. I highly recommend it. Well, wonderful. I will share all of those links in the show notes. I can't wait to share this episode. I definitely needed to hear it. And I know that your words will speak true to so many women. So thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. I loved it. I loved every second of it. Wasn't that wonderful? I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. To continue the conversation, find me on Facebook, A Free Spirit Life, or on Instagram with the same name, and definitely check out the website to read the show notes and get to know Catherine better. You can go to her website, thepresentmother.com, and find her on Facebook and Instagram as well. Take good care, be well, and I will see you next time. Cause tomorrow,